Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership and the Vice President of Innovation for Territory Global. Today, we are continuing our series focused on innovation. My guest today is Ron Heyman. He is the COO and Chief Cloud Officer for Avant Communications. He's an experienced global executive, having worked in over 25 countries with a talent for managing turnarounds, startups, and growing departments to scale. Ron holds two master's degrees, one in business and one in information systems. He also has countless certifications. He's one of the most impressive executives I've ever met, and I've known him my entire life. Welcome, Ron. Thank you. Nice to be with you. So, Ron, you're an accomplished executive, but what most people don't know is you're also my brother. We've actually worked together at two different companies. Do you remember how we started out our careers together? I do. I do. We, we've had two jobs, as you said, uh, one at a company in Duluth and then another at a company called Headhunter.net, where we started out next to each other on folding tables. I started about three months before you. That's right. Yeah. And then they got bought by CareerBuilder and we spent many, many years working together. We've actually, I think, worked together longer than we haven't worked together. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I want to just start out of the gates by telling our listeners, what does a chief cloud officer do day to day? And please, for us that may not know a ton about the cloud, break it down for us very simply. Sure. So a chief cloud officer is essentially a CTO or a CIO for a company that builds and manages cloud platforms, like infrastructure as a service platform as a service or software as a service for an external company or primarily uses cloud to deliver IT services for their own organization. And really kind of the big difference here is the idea of buying infrastructure, which is CapEx, and then deploying it and managing it versus renting it, which is more of an OpEx expense. Okay. So can you tell our listeners what the cloud is and why companies are moving in this direction in droves, especially large enterprise. And then you also see even smaller, more scrappy startups starting in the cloud versus moving to the cloud. Yeah, that's a great question. So the cloud has been around uh, for some time. We used to call it hosted or managed services. Now we call it cloud or as a service. And the ability to essentially build a solution uh, on top of infrastructure that you can rent uh, is an enormous opportunity for many companies. What excites me today about the movement is how tr transformative cloud can be in an organization. Its ability to allow a company to have access to enterprise solutions and rent it, and they get to rent only what they need by the minute. And so for those who adopt this transformative technology, it allows them to do much more around experimentation. And then as they need to grow, they can scale up without uh, worrying about investing in capital expense. Gotcha. So one of the, the things that we're talking about is innovation. So how does the cloud enable innovation versus like kind of contrast it for me with like people who don't have that cloud access today? What would be the difference in terms of being able to innovate in the cloud versus not having that access to the cloud? Yeah, so I, I see kind of three major ways that cloud allows for innovation. The first is a simple one, which is speed. If you think about the, the procurement process and what it takes both in getting budget 
deploying and, and building infrastructure and having it ready to go, it significantly reduces the time to deliver. So that's that's probably one of the first things and, and an easy one. The second one is the ability to experiment without a capital commitment. I'm talking a lot about finance and, and capital, and we're talking about IT, um, but the reality is these costs to build your own platforms and infrastructure are significant. And um, when you can rent someone else's platform and test ideas and then, you know, have this, this ability to kind of fail fast. And if you don't, if you no longer want to be in that business or no longer want to do that thing, just tear down that infrastructure and move on. That's again, very transformative for an organization. And the third is, is pretty unique to our, to the hyperscalers, the AWS's, Azure's, Google and Salesforce. They're bringing technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data and IOT to the reach of many organizations that haven't had access to these technologies before. And so just by plugging in to a hyperscaler, you're giving yourself access to these new technologies and allowing them to develop it and to take advantage of that in your own organization. And I think, again, that's a big benefit that you won't get when you build out your own platform. So this idea of not having to upfront invest in infrastructure that you just have to keep around. But the idea of being able to innovate, spin something up quickly to learn, you can either decide to go deeper into that or divest yourself pretty quickly. That sounds like it enables you to scale a lot of things very quickly and then also move in a different direction than you were thinking about as quickly as well. It changes the conversation in the boardroom and with your executive team. You go from having to justify hardware, maintenance, people cost to talking about what you want to do and how long you want to do it for, how long you want to experiment. And so it's a different conversation. It's a conversation that gives you, I think, a better seat at the table and a more comfortable conversation with the CFO or whoever's responsible within your organization for understanding risk, especially when it relates to a financial risk. Okay. You've said a couple of things that our listeners may not be aware of. You said IoT. Can you explain to our listeners what the Internet of Things is for those who may not know that term IoT? Yeah, so Internet of Things are, um, it's an array of different technologies that are all accessible over the Internet. A lot of times we're talking about sensors and these sensors allow for automation which is another big thing that we're seeing a trend towards is, is this rush towards automation and being able to automate. One of the places some people may have seen this is in their own home with the concept of smart homes, but you could imagine smart cities and then large retail companies like a Walmart will deploy many sensors and want to collect that data, both to understand what's going on within their environment and then also to automate functions like restocking of a shelf or repurchasing additional products when something is sold in the store. So basically, let's take that Walmart example. When certain products are out, right, there's sensors that would be what based into the shelf. And then those sensors would communicate to the supply chain that this particular product is is out. And then it would reorder without having to have that human intervention. 
Yeah, that's right. It could be a sensor in the shelf. It could be when that SKU is scanned as they're checking out of the store. In any situation, they now know that they have two tasks that need to be performed. One, they need to order more of whatever it is that was just purchased. And the second being they need to put another one back up on the shelf. And that ability to do that at scale and across multiple locations is huge. And if you can think about their ability to control cost, to know what's selling and why, and and the seasonality of it, it it's significant. And these things are, are being done with technologies like IoT. That's really cool. Thank you for digging into that a little deeper. So I want to talk about what innovations that you've created in the cloud. So what are some ways that you've uh, leveraged the cloud to to build either software or technology or something that was just a dream and then now it's a reality? Yeah, thanks. So in my current role as Chief Cloud Officer and COO at Avant Communications, um, the founders of the company had amazing idea and a prototype for a technology we now call Pathfinder. And it's a platform for IT decision making. And the purpose of it is to allow a CIO or a selling organization that's selling to a CIO to explore the different types of cloud opportunities that are out there and make an informed decision faster than they typically could by having information at hand that they would need to be able to make sense of this ever-changing environment. And so you could imagine there's hundreds of cloud providers out there, whether we're talking about SaaS or platform or infrastructure, and being able to navigate these technologies and figure out what's best for your organization can be very difficult and it can slow down your process of, of migrating towards the cloud. And so I was asked to help build out this platform and one of the first things I had to do is evaluate for myself, what cloud platform was I gonna put it on? We ended up selecting Salesforce communities because we're a sales organization and we needed access to CRM, we needed to leverage content management, and we also needed to be able to create many skinned versions of this application. And so for a lot of reasons, we ended up picking Salesforce communities as the platform that we built our, our software as a service on. Okay, so when you say, you had many cloud platforms to choose from. Like, I, I think that kind of <laughs> like, whoa, that's an aha moment. So like when you talk about that, what were some of the other platforms that are out there? Like I know Amazon Web Services has a cloud-based platform. What are some of the other cloud platforms that are out there that, you know, you may have considered? Yeah, so we looked at a lot of content management solutions because at first when I was looking at the problem I was trying to solve for, we had a lot of documents and content that we were going to need to present to a customer when they were looking for a service. And so a lot of the overhead was just going to be in, how do I manage all this content and how do I easily update this information? I don't want to have to rely on a developer every time I want to make a change to the site. So I want some ability to have more of an administrative capability instead of a development requirement. And so content management was one of the first things that we evaluated. Once we figured out that there were many other things that were equally important, we moved off of looking at that to more of what platforms can we use that integrate into things like Salesforce and has an API that we can call out or call into. And so when we start to evaluate that, that became more apparent. We also looked at things like Heroku. It's another platform that Salesforce purchased. 
And honestly, it, at this point now, we could probably build it on any of the major hyperscalers like a Google or an Amazon. But at the time, that connectivity towards Salesforce was really critical for us. And we've really enjoyed working with them and building this platform. That's really cool. Just thinking about the fact that, you know, and I've never thought about this. And as you're saying it, it makes a lot of sense that you would go for something that allows administration heavy aspect versus a development heavy aspect. And I didn't think about that in terms of cloud platforms. I've honestly thought that all of it needed to be development heavy. So that's like a new aha for me. So thank you for that. So talk to me a little about, you know, this idea that it's innovation, but you're using a third party to deliver a portion of the service. So when I think about, you know, a lot of times when we think about innovation, we think build it from scratch. But there's this idea that innovation does not have to be built from scratch. It can actually be used in partnership with other tools and other resources to build upon an idea of what you're trying to create. So how can you achieve innovation when you're so dependent on someone else to deliver a portion of the platform? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's one of the tough conversations that you have with a founder when you tell them that you think we should put it on a platform that's already out there instead of building it from scratch and creating what we hope is a lot of intellectual property. But again, you know, when you do that analysis of what are the things that you need to do to deliver the service? And when many of those things are already out there and they're significantly cheaper to leverage either a software or a platform that already exists, and it's not technically core to the value proposition of what you're building, I think that's when you decide that it's okay to rent or to um, buy or to leverage someone else's technology and not make it your own. Because, you know, creating another content platform is not going to move the market. We're, we're not going to be better at it than someone else that's out there. And it's not the business that we're in. We're in the, the decision-making business. And so really what I had to walk the management team through is that you can still do that and build it on someone else's platform. So that's kind of the conversation and how we had it. There's still a lot of innovation that's happening um, on our platform and what we've built to the point where we have constantly people asking how can they buy or license the technology uh, that we have. Now, one of the things that you make note of is there is certainly some risk to building something on someone else's platform. There's that risk that you don't control the underlying cost of that provider's service. And that's true with, with all the hyperscalers. And I think what you try to do there is you try to prevent something that's called vendor lock-in, where you invest so deeply into their technology that there's not another solution out there, or that the cost of moving becomes so costly that you, you can't move and, and you're forced to pay a significant amount of money. But that risk is low if you know what you're doing and you're building the technology in a way that could be leveraged by any hyperscaler. And um, again, with the ability to use APIs, things like that, we now know that if we wanted to integrate with Salesforce, we could do that relatively easily without having to be on their platform. That's really cool. You said some really good things that I took notes on, like the idea of understanding 
what's core to you and what's not core to you and not recreating the wheel in areas where it's not core to you. And I think that's something that people really need to think about long and hard of what is core to your business, what's not core to your business and where is what you're about to do commoditized and just go buy the commodity versus trying to build something that's already a commodity. And I do think that, you know, when you think about content management systems, just systems that hold content, right? Like there are multiples of those. And so starting from scratch and building that doesn't necessarily make sense. But what does make sense is what you said, which is, hey, we're in the decision-making business. And so we, the decisioning and the code behind that is core to us, but the content management system it sits on is not. And understanding the differentiation in your product of what is core and what's not core, I think that's a very powerful line of thinking that I don't think is like, that's not, obvious maybe it's not obvious to me <laughs> to think about it that way but to parse it apart and say what's core to us what's not core to us that's just like i feel like i just got a huge huge learning on that so thank you <laughs> you're welcome so let's talk a little bit about this idea of delivering a non technical founders vision so a lot of what you said is that you were doing a lot of back and forth conversation on this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're trying to build. So talk to me a little bit about that process and how did you present your ideas in a way where, you know, again, what you just said to me, that decision-making business versus the content management system is like where we live. How did you translate that concept to them? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's probably the, the more difficult part. And I, I think the first thing is, is building trust. You have to learn the business first. I, I was new to Avant Communications when I joined. I have a technical background. They have the background of what Avant is and how to sell and what they want to do. And so you really have to, you know, immerse yourself in the business and the problem that you're trying to solve and focus on the problem and not the technical solution. I think that's probably one of the key things is falling in love with the problem. That's something that, you know, you could probably spend a lot of time doing. Try to understand what the problem is you're trying to solve. What is the real thing? Because I could have gotten, you know, stuck on this content management or some other piece of it that was a little bit less important. But I had to understand the problem really deeply. And then, you know, you have to be able to take what your learnings are and your decision making and be able to present that back to the executive team in a way where they understand why you're making the decision and help them understand you know what are the trade-offs because they could have come back to me and said no we want you to build this content management system you know and then that's what i would have done but you have to be able to walk them through the why and when they understand the why i think they'll they allow you to make the decision that you know to be the right one. And so there's one of these things where it's just a continual conversation, understanding of what we're trying to do, or you might call it a North Star, right? And then once you have that, it makes it a lot easier for you to then, you know, go out and show them what the options are and what you're thinking about. That's really good. And I like how you walked us through that. Any final thoughts for our listeners? I just want to say that... <laughs> And you may have heard this before, but it's an amazing time to be in IT. It's an amazing time to be a business owner just because of how many technologies that are out there and how easy the access to these technologies are for you to experiment and innovate. And I know, you know, the core conversation here is about innovation. And I just I want people to really think about how much more innovative they could be 
if they are willing to look at hyperscalers for some part of what they do in their organization or just cloud in general. The ability to just buy something that used to cost $500 million and then to rent it for you know a couple hundred bucks to a thousand bucks a month is transformative. And I think every leader, especially in the IT industry and, and maybe even in the executive suite needs to think about how that could change how they do business. Wow. That's powerful. Well, Ron, thank you for your time today. Thank you. To learn more about Ron Heyman, follow him on LinkedIn. And to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, let's get the word out by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this episode on your social media platforms. And remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.